Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We'd like to dedicate this edition of the Squareball podcast to the memory of Toby Nye, the young Leeds fan who passed away over the weekend. Toby's family and friends, they have our love and our deepest sympathy under the most difficult of circumstances. Rest in peace, Toby. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to Podcast 113. My name's Dan Moylan. With me, two members of the Square Ball team. To my right, Michael Normanton. Hello. And to my left, sporting is Adam Forshaw, tribute beard, Moscow White, a.k.a. Daniel Chapman. I prefer it as a tribute to him when Eddie Gray grew his beard very briefly in the 1970s. That's my inspiration. Loads to get through in this podcast. As you can quite imagine, I think we've been looking forward to this one. Uh, we'll look ahead to Stoke at the weekend a little bit later on, our hopes and fears and that one. Somehow picking heroes and villains from this last seven days and that should be a jolly jape. Bit of a shortage of villains. I don't know who we're gonna who we're going to pick out. We'll be struggling again. And we will have a sneaky peek at Frank Lampard's Derby County in just a second. Uh, brand new issue six went on sale versus Derby, actually. An incredible cover. You must have seen it by now if you haven't. Bailey Peacock Farrell on there as Frida Kahlo and his back four as her little monkeys from the very famous picture. I, I think that's possibly the most highbrow cover we've ever done on the fanzine. We're pushing boundaries, I think, and, and having to look up quite a few things on Wikipedia. Also, but if you just like flowers and monkeys, then it's absolutely fine. You, you don't have to understand it. It just looks nice. You can buy that online on its own or as part of a subscription. And if you do fancy supporting us, if you can spare us the equivalent of a quid a month, then you get yourself onto the website, get the digital subscription, and you can find all that at thesquareball.net. Well, I don't know if you heard, lads, but we had a game on Friday against Frank Lampard's Derby County. It was at home and Leeds United Football Club won 2-0 with goals from Kimar Roof, 20 minutes, and Jack Harrison on 47. And I think that pretty much puts it to bed. Yeah, uncontroversial, quiet, routine win, I felt. Job done, as uh, somebody once said. But yeah, business-like. Yeah, nothing much to say. No controversy in the lead-up or during the game. Nothing afterwards. Just as, yeah, regulation. You get these matches Three sometimes. Points. It's run-of-the-mill games. It's what happens when you're top of the league and cruising. Probably best, like a good pair of binoculars, that we look at this through two separate lenses. First of all, the game itself, and then should we look at the, the other stuff? I'm not sure other stuff. Explain it to us afterwards. We'll just talk about the game, shall we? It'll all become clear. What do you reckon the best display of the season? It was great from start to finish, wasn't it, Michael? You were fearful, actually, on the last what? podcast. Why were you fearful? I have no idea, really. We absolutely, from basically the opening minute, we just set about them and it showed them up, just completely embarrassed them through the whole game. At one point, I don't I don't know if we do this as a standard thing now, but the stats went up on the screen at one point after about 20 minutes to just show we had about 75% possession. And I think we were doing that just to rub, rub their faces in it. 
I think we were just, everything was calculated just to annoy Frank Lampard just a little bit more. It's like, what could we do to just wind him up even just a little bit? It'd have been good if they'd put pictures up of, um, taken of their training ground on the big screen during the game. I thought you were going to say Christine Lampard then. <laughs> I, I thought you were heading towards the stills from a certain uh, stolen videotape from the, the turn of the century. <laughs> I don't remember that. Do you not remember that? Well, I, I actually captured myself because now I'm watching these games from the gantry, so I get to use Leeds United's Wi-Fi, and I realised when I was halfway through reminding myself in a Google search for Frank Lampard's sex tape that what I was looking at was probably not what they wanted going through their, their internet system, so I, I closed they'll have, that. They'll have assumed tab. it was Phil Hay. He's known for that kind of thing. You could easily palm it off. Any, that gantry's full of wrongs. VPN. That's all I'm saying, Sunshine. Get a VPN. We don't need to shroud what we're doing in secrecy. We can be quite open about all our activities at Leeds. So Jack Clark, he started, he looked brilliant, handing both goals. Fair play to him. He was the main person for taking the piss of him, really. That first goal, the defender had no idea where he was. He's just rolling the rolling the ball under his foot one way than the other and the defender's kind of just looking round over his shoulder and the ball's in the net. It is fairly extraordinary that Jack Clark is, what, seven? And when that ball came to him, when Carson punched it out for no reason, landed at his feet, you knew there was going to be a byline and cross. There was no question. I think it was um, Bryson who was standing in front of him. No, you don't stand a chance. This is happening. What I really liked was the way that he kind of just rolled it inside, gave himself that space then on the outside, and then thought, you know what, I'm just going to go in that space that I've made, and just did it, and it was brilliant. And nobody could do anything about it. And the Derby player... And he's a child. ...knew what was going to happen as well. Just couldn't couldn't even stop it. We should have already been a goal up by that point as well. Which is worth saying, because I I'm, would have missed this had it actually happened. Because I was walking to the ground and I heard a big cheer go up and I thought, oh, I thought, oh, bollocks, we've scored. I mean, good we've scored, but... But bollocks, I've missed I, it. I've missed it because I'm walking from the car, having put magazines in there. And yeah, we were robbed. Football that league. linesman was a fucking idiot. It was. Not only that offside, but then when he penalised... Bailey Peacock Farrell for not kicking the ball out ah, of the I goal. Well, that is. Now you're wrong there. You oh, see? really? Let's okay. See. Oh, the master. He's <laughs> something he doesn't know. Do you want to tell him, or shall I, Michael? The striker ran through the box. Oh, really? Before no. the ball had left the box, which you're not allowed to do. So it was them. Can I still call the linesman a fucking idiot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we should have had the penalty. That was just it. It was like a Pavlovian reflex reaction, wasn't it? Alioski running through, flag goes up. Yeah, exactly. He's making assumptions about uh, our left back. I mean, why would our left-back be offside? He's not Tony Dorigo, he's not Terry Cooper. He's both combined, playing on their goal line. What do you reckon to Alioski? I thought it was mint. Brilliant. Yeah, and hilarious as well. He's a a complete dickhead. It's always worth remembering. (laughs) As an opposition fan, because he stands out so much with his hair as well, Mm. he's always moaning at the ref, he's always diving. He's he's a complete prick. but (laughs) He's our prick. But when he's playing well and for us, it's great. And you know, you just know he's winding all their players up so much. And a good indication of how things are kind of going from at one point he tackled one of their players and as he got up the ball kind of span up and it hit him full in the face and then just bounced in front of him and he ran onto it as if it was all totally intentional. Like, yeah, I've won the ball. But in the midst of it all is this most clownish kind of slapstick stupidity. And even his, uh, he gets an assist for this game, which he deserves because, you know, Jack Clark is on one side doing his magic and gets a crossover. And really for your left back to be on the far touchline, on the goal line, playing it back to our left winger, who is inside him in the six yard box. That's 
Bielsa's football. Let's just, get both just both our left-sided players basically so in the six-yard box. But he was falling over and it hit his heel and I'm just so... bounced across. It's like, yep, I will claim that assist. Thank you, Jack. Laid that on a plate for you. It is fair to say, though, that that is a goal that wouldn't be scored by most teams because most teams wouldn't have both left-sided players next to each other in the box. But that is what Bielsa did. I've seen smarter people than us doing tactical analysis of how he overloads certain areas of the pitch at certain times and... I know he scuffed his cross, but it's it's an actual thing we've worked on and it's led to a goal. Yeah, and you can keep it really simple with all the tactical stuff. Fucking everybody in the box, that's it. <laughs> what you don't see on those videos is you don't see the far end of the pitch. There isn't anybody. Fantastic. After You could tell how uh, strongly we were bossing this game because after about 15 minutes, we already had, at nil-nil, 10 of our players were in Derby's half and Bailey Peacock-Farrell was standing basically on the centre spot just not giving a fuck about end of the 45 yards of the pitch behind him. Don't fucking matter. I'm going to stand in on the halfway line because that ball is not going past me. It's just not happening. There was that one occasion where he ran out of his box mm. when the, there was really no need for it and it was slightly terrifying. If the ball had been about six inches further to his left, that ball would have gone in the net. He was very lucky that it, uh, that it hit his leg. And yeah, that was one of the few occasions when he was actually in his penalty area and he probably should have stayed there. But he got away with it and he didn't look bothered. Which one of you two reprobates was saying he maybe should have done better with the Forest back pass from Forshaw? That was me, I think. Yeah, well, you know, you can't be both ways, can you? Well, I suppose what I'd, what I'd be hoping for is for a good decision to be made. Might not be a problem for too much longer. No, probably not. Uh, on to Forshaw, another player like Alioski who's taken some pelters in recent weeks. He was brilliant too. Your tribute beard has paid off. This was one, because Calvin Phillips got suspended, Forshaw really needed to sort himself out, and I think he did on the evidence of this game. He's kind of said it as well. He's kind of admitted that he's not been playing very well. And here was his response, and it absolutely bossed midfield. There was times, there's no higher praise you can give than to say he was like David Batty stopping their attacks. You just wouldn't necessarily see him approaching. Batty was a bit more subtle, where you wouldn't see him approach or leave or what he'd done with the ball. It would just happen. But Forshaw was near enough of just appearing out of nowhere, stop the attack, where's Pablo, here's the ball. I never thought I'd hear David Batty described as subtle. Silent, silent on the pitch, wouldn't speak to anybody, nobody heard him. He just came in, took the ball off them and gave it to somebody else. And I think Forshaw being sat in front of Cooper helped as well. He His return transformed the defence. We looked far less porous just defending corners and crosses and stuff, not that they got any. Yeah, there was only uh, two, one at the very end of each half, which proves we've been saying Bielsa's best tactic for defending corners, don't concede any, so it's absolutely fine. We talk about... Peacock Farrell, contrast that with Scott Carson. Was he a sleeper agent there? Basically two two assists, once removed anyway, for our goals. The first one in particular, he could have just very, very easily caught. I'm not really sure. The second one was awkward and it was kind of over his head and he probably didn't know where it was going. But yeah, the first one, if it was our keeper, I'd have been slating him. You'd have made a video, added it to his, his highlight reel. The second one, I think as well, he shouldn't have been caught out by that cross. He was clearly just standing in the wrong place and had to backpedal and was caught out, thought it was going in. So that's two, really. I like, yeah, sleeper agent, because he is Leeds. I don't know if, we've, if we're paying him off undercover, if that's something that Frank Lampard also needs to investigate. So how do you feel about it now then? Was that for you? It was for me. Probably one of your best match days you've had in a long time as a Leeds fan. Not just the game, but the whole the thing that went up before it and then after it. Yes, because everything that came before meant that when kickoff happened, I knew we were going to win. There was just something in the way that the whole 
spying incident. I love this incident just to underline how serious it all was. When uh, Bielsa, before the game, again from the gantry position, you can't see what Sky Sports are broadcasting at that point. So when he went on Sky and did the interview that basically said, yes, there was somebody there from Leeds. I sent him. I have spoken to Frank Lampard. I admitted it and I didn't apologise. You could sense this ripple of people going, have you seen this? Have you heard what he's saying? People could not believe. And at that point, he's just thinking, this gets even better. Frank Lampard looked beaten from minute one to the very end of the game. It was really strange watching him. He just stood in his technical area, not moving, not talking to any of his staff, none of his staff. If you look at Leeds, the bench, we often get the fourth official comes and says, you can only have two people standing up in the technical area at one time. And we've got about six and we're not taking the piss. It's just they're all doing stuff and they're all running about. Nothing. Nobody comes off Derby's bench to say anything to Frank Lampard. He doesn't go back to talk to any of them. He just stood basically on the same spot all night watching as his team got absolutely mullered, probably just thinking about how he was going to avoid crying in the after-match press conference. Perfect. I think it's fair to say Marcelo Bielsa broke Frank Lampard. It was glorious how everyone was expecting it was a thing we'd been caught out doing and that Bielsa would be apologetic and like, oh God, well, maybe play it down or claim he didn't know what had happened or whatever. He just came out and went, yeah, it was me. What are you going to do about it? Public path, innit? He said he, he wouldn't justify it. He, he doesn't disagree with Frank Lampard's point of view. Doesn't care, essentially. <laughs> didn't say it would be childish to apologise. He's not going to give some bullshit apologies. Like if I said sorry, I obviously wouldn't mean it. So assuming we're all grown-ups, I'm not going to apologise to anybody. Marcello, I found your, your socks in my bedroom. Been sleeping with your wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, but that's what's happened. No, there would be no sorry. There would that's not be true. A sorry. I, I cannot justify this behaviour, but that is how I behaved. <laughs> what was it he said about the, the pink dressing room, about men and women and stuff like that? That's what he just said. Trot that line out again at Norwich. Men need women. I took your woman. Can I just say as well, I'm a big fan of Norwich's late, late equalisers now. I was quite pleased with that one against West Brom. That made it an extra nice weekend as well. Both Somehow both of them dropping points was a, a nice little bonus to be thrown into the mix. And going into Saturday afternoon as well, the fact that everybody was still obsessed, even up to Saturday night. Match of the day is a programme about the Premier League. They don't have the rights to anything to do with the Football League, and yet Gary Lineker is opening it with references to Leeds United of the Championship. I think it was Eamon who uh, designs the mag and stuff. He, I think he tweeted that Sky Sports were treating it like like Raoul Moat. They were giving it kind of running coverage as if it was a developing story. Round the clock updates. Yeah. And even same with BT Sport. They, I know they have a bit more of a general discussion programme, but they don't have any of the rights. Sky have football league programmes. BT Sport have nothing. But yet, what are they asking Rio Ferdinand about? They're asking him about Leeds United because everybody, uh, we're not famous anymore, obviously. If you had to describe this... Let's say in a single word. What are your thoughts on it, Moscow? A single word is uh, fucked Frank Lampard right over a single word. If I hyphenate it, yeah. that would be the word. Michael? I'd just go funny. The whole thing's funny. The fact we did it in the first place, the fact everyone's got so angry, the fact Bielsa couldn't give a shit, everyone's got so angry, <laughs> the fact we then won so convincingly off the back of it. Brilliant. What is weird about it, or kind of obvious that what Derby were trying to do is, if you pay attention to what, Bielsa said. He said he phoned Frank Lampard on Thursday when it first happened to accept responsibility and tell him that, yes, your suspicions were correct. And yet Friday, all the talk was there's going to be an investigation. Nobody knows what's happened. They need to get to the bottom of this story. Was there, wasn't it? 
They spoke about it on Thursday. It was absolutely made clear by Bielsa to Frank Lampard. Yes, we sent somebody to watch your training sessions. And yet all we had through Friday coming out of Derby, coming out of the police force, coming out of the football club, coming out of all anybody reporting on the media was these words, incident and spy and investigation, allegations, just trying to ramp up this seriousness, almost as if somebody had broadcast rights to a match on Friday night that they really wanted to get people interested in watching. Were they, the the uh, tales of pliers being found? Has anyone actually had that confirmed? Lampard has said it again today, Monday. We're recording this, so he's had his he's had another go today where he's not letting it go, and also he's now telling uh, flat out lies about what did or didn't happen at Chelsea. Yeah. But yeah, he said again that the guy was he was kneeling down at the fence with pliers, but he didn't get any further than that. I think if the police stopped someone kneeling at a fence with pliers, they would arrest them anyway. Yeah, they're about about. Suspicion of criminal damage and trespass. I'm sure there would be more of a a thing because their initial tweet on Thursday when they said, ha ha, we just caught this guy was interviewed him everything above board. If he'd been carrying pliers around, I'm sure they wouldn't have been making a, a joke of it. And getting the police involved in the first place, why don't you just go to the fence and tell whoever is there, who you've obviously spotted, to fuck off? <laughs> Don't be like, oh no, we need the police. There's somebody watching us train from a path. Like, just go and tell them to fuck off. And that would be the that would be the power move. Because then you're not making a big hoo-ha of it. You're just gonna like, Bielsa send you. Uh no. Yeah, he did. Fuck off. And then it's all sorted and he has to go back. He says, boss, if they, they found me and they told me to fuck off. And then there's probably like a delivery of uh like twelve kittens in a bag to Frank Lampard's front door. It's a story of I remember a referee in Argentina years ago who, um, oh, of course, that one. I mean, it's a different culture, so it's absolutely fine over there. If we'd started dropping, um, it was two bags of live kittens were just dropped at his feet as he was about to blow for the first whistle of a match, um, just to say, unless you want back more bags of kittens, this had better go our way. You know, what a weird threat. Cultural, cultural. It's different. It's, you've got to respect. It's different over there. Well, I mean, everybody talks about if uh, Martello Bielsa coming to England and he's got to respect how things are done in this country and our rights of fair play. If Frank Lampard goes and manages in Argentina, is he going to not start spying on other teams? Is he not going to deliver bags of kittens to referees? He would be disrespecting the culture if he didn't, if it's according to him. Or would he just stay true to the, the work that he thinks is part of being a manager and just do the job respectful of where he is, but also not kowtowing and not changing for some bullshit code of morals that Frank Lampard has never respected in his career anyway. And that his fucking uncle could start by respecting. Michael. His fucking uncle. <laughs> Michael. And his dog. Michael. Yes. He should have just laughed it off, shouldn't he? Yeah. The more you make of it, the more foolish you make yourself look. And particularly after you've lost, it just comes across as I mean, excuse making. The thing is, he preempted that, didn't he, before the match? And it still happened, and he's still been made to look at it. I mean, it's partly the media's fault for asking him about it, but he he needs to learn to just try to brush it off and just say he, he'd be, he'd do well to play it down, particularly given the game was not one of fine margins. Like we won two 0 but it wouldn't have been unfair if we'd have won that four or five nil. No. They they had absolutely nothing, and we had all the ball and several chances. Should have had a penalty, etc. He should really just be trying to get away from the Leeds game as quickly as possible. Today was the day, Monday, so his, his new press conference, he's been asked about it again. And instead of saying, look, yeah, the FA are dealing with it now. I think we lost the match. I think we should move on. We've got this week's games coming up. Instead, he's doubled down on it, still going on about 
how it shouldn't be happening in this game, saying, and I've heard people talk about what happened at Chelsea. I don't, sure it didn't happen. The man says, did it, said he did it. Yeah, he's, but he still says, <laughs> I don't believe it ever happened, certainly not like this. The words from Andre Villas-Boas' book, is it a book or a quote? It's a quote from him anyway, where he says, I used to go to train other training grounds incognito to see what they were doing. That's no different. I mean, fucking our, as far as I know, our guy didn't wear a disguise. Do you know who it was? Incognito. I have a theory. I was hoping for Berardi. I have a particularly th- as he was found with pliers because I was maybe that would have been a thing he'd have done on his, his own initiative. He thought if things turn, <laughs> I can pull out fingernails with these. <laughs> Is Harry Wilson playing? Tell me. I have a, a theory and a half an idea that it's our famous furniture salesman Andrea Law. Because if you think since he pitched up, since Cholino and his wife found him in that furniture shop in Miami, he's basically just been a dog's body who has somehow <laughs> kept his job all the way through. And if you know, do you remember the clip of? Uh, Bielsa at the under-23s match where he hugs all the children. He's right next to Andrea at that point. He's obviously still got whatever the fuck his job is. And I wouldn't be surprised if just general duties, it was him. Because also he strikes me as completely hapless. So if anyone was going to do it and then get caught as well. And apparently he denied it. The police said initial uh, questioning, he said, no, no, I'm not, not from Leeds. Are you? Yeah, I'm from Leeds. I don't want to besmirch Andrea. I'm sure he's he's maybe one of the few people to emerge from the Chilino era. Him and Berardi both seem like decent people since then. But if you are going to chuck somebody under the bus... I mean, it would be him. Yeah, he's absolutely 100% expendable. Good to see that has been, there has been some good sense in the wake of all this from some real upstanding characters like Andy Gray and Robbie Savage and Garth Crooks, all our favourites. Yep, good, good men. Yeah, a lot of people who have come out um, kind of on Bielsa's side with all this and said it's not a, a big deal. Obviously, it's lovely to see Dave Bassett in there because he would he's exactly the type who would be hiding in, in the ceiling above an um, opponent's dressing room. Strange to have Gary Neville on our side. I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but, but there he is. I mean, yet Neville, he might be one of those lot. He's not an idiot, is he? Yeah, I think he is. Ah, all right. His whole, like, everything he's done. Up until now, he says some sort of, like reasonable things on Sky. It's a little bit like that Joey Barton being intelligent thing. It's just because he's listened to the Smiths. He's not actually a smart guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. One guy who did say fair enough was Chris Wilder, Sheffield United. They're now up into second. Leeds United, top of the league. That's nice, isn't it? It continues to be a nice state of affairs with regards to the league table. And the gap now opening up a wee bit. And are you prepared yet to admit that every game is a cup final and this promotion bid is very much on? I think... On a podcast a few weeks ago, I think I said we'd beat Derby twice comprehensively and then lose to them in the playoff final. We've done the first part. That's a reasonable prediction. I still feel losing in the playoff final is there, especially because one of the outcomes is this, is that Bielsa says he's going to stop watching other teams' training sessions. So we're losing just that little... That advantage that we had, yeah. That fine margin gain that we were getting is now going. So if we do get them in the playoff final... Frank Lampard, all he has to do is make sure that that training session is behind closed doors and start playing a rev- inverse Christmas tree formation. Just do some Scott Carson up front. Something absolutely crazy that Bielsa won't expect. The whole thing being out in the open, though, it kind of creates an odd dynamic around other teams, though, because they think, is he watching? Is, is someone somewhere? You know, like I think it's quite common for a team to play the 11 in a training match that they're going to play in a game and that sort of thing. Mm. Thinking, do I need to... Do counterintelligence, do we need to play a different team in that with a different formation in case someone's watching and then they'll set up wrong? And otherwise, the else is, we don't really change how we play, do we? And he actually said that what he gets, he doesn't get much from this. He said he, he often 
doesn't use the information. It's just he will not ignore a source of information. If you can get the information, it's fine. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Because Frank Lampard... I think Andre rang the police himself to say, there's a man here by the fence. There is a a, theory, a conspiracy theory going around that this is all like a power move by Bielsa and that he, he deliberately set Andrea Law, let's assume it is, to be caught. <laughs> um, let's not assume it is, just for legal purposes. <laughs> to be caught. There's no crime. To create all this uh, all this furor. He has definitely succeeded. He's got in Frank Lampard's head and I think you're right, he'll get in everybody else's. Yeah, so Bielsa said that this is a source of information. He, he gets these reports but there may be, they won't really actually give him any information that he can use. It's just if they find anything out, it's fine. But Lampard, would, again, this is Monday after the game's Friday. The, we were playing a game with our first 11 out there. We were working on tactics. We were working on things that we were going to do in the game. Like, And then looking at how Derby played, actually, they probably must have, must have done fuck all on that training session because I saw absolutely no evidence of a team that was doing anything worth spying on or that being spied on would make such a massive difference to the result. It'll kind of be a measure of who's a decent manager, because Lampard, whatever he thinks about his playing career, he's new to management and he's naive. Some of the older heads, Chris Wilder is a good example of someone who says, yeah, if he wants to do it, it's fine. Not something I'd do. I don't care if he can get anything from it. Good luck to you. And that's where, you know, somebody's kind of comfortable with the the job that they're doing and the position that they're in. And they're not going to, like, for example, if, uh, with the manager of Huddersfield Town, who's just decided you don't want to do it anymore. It's not that kind of... It's cutting, sorting the wheat from the chaff, really. Final point then on this. Did it not feel to you like a bit of a watershed game on Friday? The joy came back in this match, that early season feeling of looking at Leeds and thinking, we're fucking incredible. And the um, atmosphere played that as played into part of that as well and I think the atmosphere was lifted by the whole spine thing there was just a bit of Leeds are kind of at our best thing when we're being a bit mischievous yeah. that's probably a rather nice reflection on some of the things we've done in the past <laughs> a bit mischievous <laughs> but you know people, what I mean like a people Bournemouth. of Bournemouth remember <laughs> bit of uh, some hijinks but you know it, it had that sort of a feel to it and I think everyone was just thought everyone hates us again here but yeah. look how good we are even before kickoff, the South Stand was singing All Spies, Aren't We? And you just knew from that moment, it was like watching Frank Lampard walk out into this, beaten, beaten before he kicked off, beaten by his own inability to just deal with Marcello Bielsa. Hey, when you get back on that there internet next visit, have a look at our website and pick up some of our merchandise in that loads of sort of khaki stuff should you need to, I don't know, go undercover maybe in some trees. and bush-coloured, you could call yeah, it, bush-coloured. Obviously, you wouldn't want to wear branded Kappa club wear because you'd give your game away, wouldn't you? No, but the square ball is still a bit, it's a bit of a secret code, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So get some of our khaki merch and you could, I mean, if you need to go into the Derbyshire jungle so you don't know, get eaten by a rabid ram. Best thing to wear. And some new stuff coming. A new mug, which we thought very important to release under current circumstances, in the current environment. And what does it say on it? It says, Leeds Carajo. Which means? Leeds, and then something very rude. There are a few different translations from the Spanish. Essentially, when Marcelo Bielsa won his first title at Newell's, there's a very famous clip of him being lifted aloft by the Newell's fans on the pitch, and he takes the shirt off somebody, a Newell's shirt, starts waving it in the in the air, yelling, Newell's Carajo! Newell's Carajo! And the nicest translation is, it basically means, Newell's fuck! As if you can't fucking believe what's going on. It's just a, a big defiant and amazed and glorious just yelling of an expletive into the air. So we're nicking it. Because I think 
Leeds fuck really does kind of sum up how we all feel about Leeds since Bielsa arrived. And we'll probably always feel about this this period in our history. But you can't really put that on a mug. But if you put it on a mug in Spanish, you can drink it in the office and nobody will really know what it says. So if you do want the sweariest mug in the office, check it Leeds out. Leeds Carajo. The squareball.net. I mean, crikey, it's impossible to know how we're going to uh, top last weekend. It's been pretty good that foot on the football front. Stoke coming up this coming weekend. We'll look at that in a bit. Uh, many, many candidates for heroes and villains of this last week. But first, onto these, and obviously another sad matter that uh, followed on from such a high against Derby was the loss of Phil Massinga on Sunday following a long illness. Age just forty nine, man. What? A, that's no age, is it? I know it's a cliche, but no age at all. Yeah, it was a proper come down after the uh, the joy that we were going through Friday and. Uh, Saturday, you can never get through a Leeds United weekend without something just happening. And it was a real shame. He only played, did he play about 30 games for Leeds? But his kind of, his impact goes beyond that. The first South African player to play in the Premier League, which is uh, significant, um, follows on from us having the first black South African players in the Football League when we had Jerry Francis and then Albert Johansson. So we've kind of got a, a link and a fellowship with South Africa through him and obviously through Lucas Radaby and he didn't make the impact that Radaby had but there's something about that season and a half that he was at Leeds I still really associate with optimism and Phil Massinger for a while was delivering it he was scoring some uh, scoring some spectacular individual dribbling goals at uh, venues like Highbury I listened to um, Lucas a while ago he was on some podcast talking about it and he was just saying how the two of them were basically just dropped in Leeds and left to fend for themselves it wasn't like now he'd a Premier League team would probably have player liaison people sorting out the flat for them and saying, you know, go here, do this, here's a car, get everything sorted. They were like just left in Leeds and the two of them, they were like, it was freezing cold, they weren't quite used to that. And they were like, you're saying basically they were both quite unhappy for a while. It's sort of borderline, like sort of 80s racial stereotype comedy, isn't it? In your sort of coming to America type vein, you know, if you think about it in those terms. Two African lads dropped into the middle of Eastern. Yeah, they were just dropped in digs. They were just living in houses with a landlady. And there's a quote from Phil Massinger saying that uh, Gordon Strachan had to show him how to open a bank account because just didn't know how to deal with the English banks. So it was fell to the captain to sort it out for him because there was nobody else. Yeah, Phil Massinger, he's not had a good time since he retired because I think he... He said he had a lot of uh, bad investments, lost a lot of money, had to move back in with his mum, and then but had started doing a management course and was hoping to get a, an administration job. And poor Lucas Radaby as well, it kind of gets forgotten sometimes that he had a bit of a shit deal after Leeds because the, the testimonial match, it was half-time during that game that his wife, I think she started feeling stomach pains. I think she had to leave that day, and that was the start of the cancer that eventually she died from that within a couple of years. So neither of them really caught much of a break after leaving us. I think it's part of why we keep Lucas Radaby's kind of a, an ambassador, because you want to look after him. You look at the struggles of Albert Johansson, who we mentioned just before, then obviously got his blue plaque, which I think is a wonderful thing. So well done to everybody who took part in getting that, including the uh, Supporters Trust and the, the Civic Trust as well, who look after that. It was, I think we can credit the Supporters Trust, the club themselves, who apparently as soon as the Supporters Trust went to them and said they wanted to do this, were absolutely, couldn't have been more helpful. The Civic Trust to organise getting the blue plaques made in the city and councillors as well there was local councillors who've been wanting also to pay tribute to him for a while so basically the problem for years the only reason it wasn't done was the club no let's rephrase that it wasn't the club it was the people running the club just weren't interested but now once that was cleared out happened and happened good work from all of them and but we've always had that 
link to black South Africa, haven't we? When you look back to Mandela visiting and uh, for anybody who's not aware of Leeds, Millennium Square in Leeds, the bottom of that is Nelson Mandela Gardens, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he came on stage. Was it When was it? In the 80s at some point? Oh, no, it was later than that. It was because Millennium Square was uh, for the millennium. So it was late 90s um, when he came to open it and said how uh, pleased he was to be in Liverpool. <laughs> Thank you, Nelson. He's, you know, he's had a, he'd had a tough life. You can imagine he probably didn't have a lot of geography textbooks to hand when he was in that in isolation in that prison for half his life. But um, I can't, I led us down the road of, the, of their uh, sad afterlives, but it's worth remembering with uh, I mean, Albert Johansson, the small amount of footage that's available of him, absolutely outstandingly skillful player dribbling around everybody. There's great clip of him tackling George Best because his best work for Leeds was actually in Division 2, the season that we got promoted. He was top scorer because we played most of the season without a good striker. We signed Alan Peacock just at the end to score the goals that got us over the line. But up until that point, it was Albert Johansson being given the ball, racing in off the wing and crashing the ball past the goalkeeper again and again and again. Um, and without him, Reeves' team wouldn't have got promoted that season. Well, they say football goes in cycles and our promotion bid, if it is such a thing, is now back potentially on track, but it's dependent on getting these players back. You forget we've still got a number of players to come back of high quality. Izzy Brown scored a couple today in the, the under-23s. He can't be far off now, you'd imagine. He tweeted, uh, his tweet ended with the words, almost there. Wonder what that could mean. It's, it's a song by Incognito, isn't it? Always there. Oh. Close enough. Oh, well. Close I was hoping enough. for another spy reference. But yeah, Berardi, Dallas, Bamford, uh, B-Dogs. He should be back in a couple of weeks as well, Barry Douglas. Uh, wearing a terrible trouser, we noticed um, on his Instagram. <laughs> what, what a terrible trouser that was. Another legging after yeah. Cooper had the leggings, didn't he, the other day? Coopers weren't made out of like really shiny curtains, though. Mm. Do we need any of these players? Because there's a big hoo-ha in the, the start of January about, oh, if we don't sign anybody, we'll we'll never get promotion. And then we played like that on Friday. Fuck it. Didn't need Lewis Baker. He's gone anyway. Sent him back, sent him packing. I think we, wow. knew, we knew we didn't need him before before he went. Was that just one of those things that didn't work out? Because everyone like, online goes to polar opposites. Like, it was shit. Is that a little, little bit unfair? Or, you know, because he just don't work out sometimes, do they? I mean, he was shit for us. There's no... There's no glossing over that. He was terrible for us. He was pretty much the worst player on the pitch every time he played for us. It doesn't mean he's a shit player in general, but for us, yeah, it didn't work. I, I don't really know what position he was meant to play particularly. He just didn't do a lot of anything. Quite a nice touch, quite tidy, but didn't really get forward, couldn't particularly tackle, didn't really dribble past people. Just looked like he was kind of phoning it in a bit, which is possibly unfair. It might not be an attitude thing. You might need be someone who needs 20 games to you know, getting get his groove, but it wasn't going to happen for us. Would we have been better off just keeping Luke Murphy? Let's not be silly. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got our keeper, nearly, anyway, Kiko Casilla, which, which will delight you, Moscow White, given your uh, outright hatred of the present incumbent, Bailey Peacock-Farrell, and your uh, videos attempting to dismantle a young man's reputation that you put out at the start of the season. I don't feel I've got the energy to explain again <laughs> that I don't hate him. I wasn't trying to destroy him. Did you um, like the way he tried to destroy Derby player's face? I did actually. Yeah, if anything's going to warm me to a goalkeeper, it's booting a striker right in the right in the head. I mean, he kicked a man's head clean off practically. I must admit, when that happened, I couldn't see it from the cop end because re- we were breaking and right. the referee steady on our end. <laughs> the referee pulled play back, and I thought he was faking that. Yeah, it looked like an outrageous Adrian style dive. I thought he's just he's seen we're breaking. He's laid down pretending he's got a head injury. Yeah but he might have clipped him a little bit. 
stood right in his eyeballs. <laughs> Very exciting. And the best thing about it, Bailey Peacock fouled, kicked him in the head. Did he care? No. Didn't yep. care at all. Not even a not even a, a quiver of a change of expression on his face. It'll be the same with uh, this uh, new goalkeeper coming in. There'll probably somebody will say to him, "Are you worried about your your place being under threat?" No, <laughs> <laughs> just won't give, won't fucking care. Uh, first day of training. Oh, Bailey, this is Kiko. Why should I care? Who is he? Well, he's the new goalkeeper. I'm the goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, you remember Jamal Blackman? No. The guy who was here earlier season? No. Never heard the name. Anyway, I'm fucking off down the shops. <laughs> Bailey, we're just starting training. No, we're not. That's, you know, he won't care. It'll be absolutely fine. And even if uh, Garcia takes his place, he'll probably still find Bailey Peacock for just standing in the goal mouth at the start of the game anyway. <laughs> Bailey, I'm I'm playing today. I, I'm the goalkeeper. No, you're not. <laughs> what do you know about these exotic sounding wingers from Swansea? Is he exotic sounding? He's I called, don't know. One, of them's Daniel. Exo- one of them's exotic sounding. One of them's called Daniel James. It's oh, the... oh, is he not James? Uh, well, he's mm, from Beverly. He's, yeah, he's from he's from East Yorkshire. <laughs> might, he might be. James is what you put in a sandwich in Beverly. It's not <laughs> it's not exotic. I'm pleased if you think Daniel's an exotic name. He should be on the radio with two first names there, shouldn't he? Daniel James mm. coming up with the, the smooth hits to, to keep your morning exotic. This is the sound of aha. I want the other one. He sounds more exotic. Who is the other one? Jefferson Montero. Airplane. Jefferson Airplane, that's it. And, and then later after he's finished his career, Jefferson Starship. Yes. That's another one for the kids as well, isn't it? God, the kids are like scratching their heads. We're about granddad. They'll be switching off. Yeah, if you're still with us, <laughs> congratulations. I didn't realise we were in for both Swansea wingers. I thought it was only uh, Danielle James. Do we know anything about either of them? One of them's from Hull. Ish, Beverly. And he only made there. his debut this season for Swansea. I'm not sure why they want to let him leave or why. He's 21 and he only played his first championship game this year. He's been in Swansea's academy for a while. Went to uh, Shrewsbury and loan, didn't get picked. Happen. Seems mm. weird. Oh, he's come out of nowhere. Sometimes these players do crop if, up, don't they? If three million quid is relatively cheap for, for what you buy nowadays, I suppose it's about what we paid for for sure, isn't it? So maybe it's not. Uh we're horrendously ill-informed about him. Tell you about Kiko Casilla, the goalkeeper. Sounds all right. Got Champions League medals. He's got three of them, I think, hasn't he? Yep. How many minutes did he play in those finals? About three, didn't he? <laughs> or zero. Zero, yeah, zero minutes. Have you seen what he did contribute to the Champions League Holding up, a, stealing the board and holding yep. up a 12. Because it was their 12th, 12th win. I don't personally care much for Real Madrid, but I'll, I'll allow that kind of uh, shithousery in retrospect if he signs for us. And if Bailey Peacock Farrell lets him play. If you look at for Jamie Kemp on Twitter, he started a, a blog recently. For, he works for Opto and he's got quite Hammy a... Hammy Kemp. <laughs> Hammy Kempo. He used to play for Bolton, I think. He's backed by strong stats analysis he's got available at Opto. And he's done a really good long-ish article about Casilla. But it does all just come down to solid, good at everything... 32, the right age, got the right amount of experience. He's not a Stuart Taylor who's never played, even though he's he was second choice at Real Madrid last season. He's now third choice because he signed a new keeper. Um, so that's why he's available. Good, just a good player. You see, I watched a video of him on um, YouTube that a Real Madrid fan has put together called, yeah, it's called something like Casilla is not Casillas. And it's just all his errors. Fantastic. And it's played over a bed of kind of slightly uh, comedic brass music. It's kind of got a sort of vibe to it. I would like to meet that uh, Real Madrid fan 
and uh, could we could exchange tapes. I'll give him a lot of tapes of Bailey Peacock Farrell and I'll take his tapes off him. I mean, some of the goals on it are not that bad, actually. Mm. It's just some goals. But. If you remember when uh, Felix Fiedvald signed, his actual highlight reel of all his best stuff included some of the maddest things that you could ever possibly have seen. Again, Eamon, uh, our designer, picked up on one where he air kicks a through ball so badly that he ends up falling forward and kind of scorpion kicking it back over his head while collapsing through uh, the attacker and then it's all given offside anyway so it doesn't count. It's absolute fucking madness. But whoever uh, the Werder Bremen fan who'd made it was like, that's great stuff, that. And it's all him just catching a corner under no pressure. <laughs> and the, the the warning signs were already there. I think Kiko, what's it, has got a good name, I hope. Casilla uh, uh, means box. Perfect. Bodes well. What does Kiko mean? It's short for Francisco. Okay. I'm Frank hoping box. he's just going to... Uh, I'm hoping he's going to be one of these who just has his first name on the back of his shirt because one, it'll be cheaper for any kids who want to get a goalkeeper shirt. You've got two choices. Peacock, Farrell, doesn't give a fuck, Kino, whatever his name is, or just Kiko. Peacock, Farrell's number one. Have we got any shirt numbers between two and 11 that are free? I don't think we do, have we? We might have to do a swap around so we can wear eight or something like that. I'd like him to be wearing an outfield number. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, nearly time for the big one. Uh, well, I don't mean the Stoke preview. That's coming up in a bit. First of all, this. Uh, villains and heroes. Heroes and villains. Pluses and minuses mm. from our life. As Leeds United fans, first of all, as is customary, we deal with villains. This is the Ken Bates Villain Award. He made us feel sad. He felt like a, a villain in our lives for a long time. Award is named after him. He also, as is also customary, gets a nomination. What is it for this time? The January transfer window, I think it's always associated with Ken Bates telling us um, that there's plenty of money in uh, Simon Grayson's war chest and we're not going to spend any of it because agents are on holiday and we can't, there's no very much. So when you hear those, even the sensible arguments come through in his uh, in his voice and I just I just get frightened about Johnny Housen being sold. At this stage, under Bates, we'd have already had him on the radio for a couple of months talking about... Clark's agent. Well, you got big expectations on your boy playing the game with Nido and my day. He doesn't doesn't know the game. You should buck his idea. 
and then he'd be sold um, yeah. for like four million quid. Massive, fo- and it's Ian Hart as well, so it'd be a massive falling out with Ian Hart. So he claims to have played for him. So him for ruining January forever. It's nice to have Ken back. I've missed Ken on this podcast, you know. Anybody else you'd like to pop into this? Uh, this, this oh, can't think of anyone. This lineup. I expected we would be nominating Neil Warnock as the most egregious example of people banging on about Spygate. Somehow he managed to jump all that, like Fonz jumping a shark, um, and go straight smash bang into Brexit. I think he must have been jealous of all the attention that Frank Lampard and Frank Lampard's Derby County were getting and Leeds United were getting. And so he had to... Uh, in, case you've, in case you've not heard this, just have a little think to yourself. What would Warnock's opinion be? Right, you may continue. It's worth also... You're right, you're right, by the way. <laughs> I would also just like to caveat as well that we are not going to, because you're entitled to your political opinion, mm-hmm. Correct. and we are certainly not going to delve into politics. There on- are... There are good arguments, both in favour of remaining in the EU and leaving in the EU. Those arguments yep. can be made and discussed. That's absolutely fine. Neil Warnock, on the other hand, what's what's his arguments? Well, do you know what? It wasn't even this wasn't even EU, was it? It was just a it was it was a get out and to hell with the rest of the world. Mm. But the, the the lack of self awareness from a man who, I mean, it's the club's owned by it's a, shi- a Cypriot shipping magnet, isn't it? In front of a, a board that says visit Malaysia with his team of international staff and players there. It's just... His yeah. entire fortune, personal fortune, derived from the fact that it's such a global game and he's able to earn, I assume, a ridiculous amount of money despite being a complete cretin. <laughs> it's worth pointing out the, the report I have here on it ends, the final paragraph is uh, that this all comes as a non-striker Emiliano Sala is in uh, Cardiff at the moment uh, with the Bluebirds trying to uh, complete the deal for their new signing from France. I don't know where Emilio Sala, Emiliano Sala, Sala is from in the world, but I'm going to assume it's not fucking well, let me, uh, let Scarborough. Me, let me just hazard a guess because you have a lot of French Africans who pass through France via the agent Willie Mackay. Is there any connection there? I mean... It's strange because this it did all come from, all Warnock was asked was, is uh, the uncertainty around Brexit making it difficult to complete signings in the, the transfer window? And you could construct a, a reasoned argument. I think the football manager people have written it into the, the new game in the future that Brexit happens and that it has implications for work permits and immigration and who you can and can't buy. So there's a, there's a serious discussion to be had about the implications of uh, leaving or staying in the European Union on transfers. Was it Bates who complained about the exchange rate on the euro once? He made it sound like we made a loss on Max Gradle due to the exchange rate. He basically explained that once um, he'd paid a loyalty bonus and the agents had had a cut and the, we'd lost money on the exchange rate and we'd actually got no money for him. And so, his, it was, and so it was not worth selling him, it sounded like. He changed his money in the airport, hadn't he? He'd, he'd forgotten and then got his money in the airport. He had. <sighs> Silly sausage. <laughs> Warnock's actual comments are up there with Bates in the end, where he just can't wait to get... I mean, I don't know which voice to use. I can't wait to get... I'm instinctively drawn towards Bates. Just like, I think we'll be far better out of the bloody thing. They must have spent too much time. It's no wonder that... That's probably what they chatted about when uh, Warnock flew to Monaco to meet Ken Bates to talk about the Leeds job. Cut. Fucking hate it here. Why have you dragged me here, Ken? It's fucking horrible. Foreigners everywhere. Can't wait to get out of the bloody place. Yeah, we're going to be far better out of the bloody thing. The EU, the bloody thing. This is not nuanced, intelligent debate in every aspect. To hell with the rest 
of the world. As I was as I was saying to Kevin Blackwell the other day, to hell with the rest of the world. So the latest on this is Cardiff have come out with a statement saying these comments do not reflect the political position of Cardiff City Football Club nor its board of directors. But then all Warnock, of whom are from the rest of the world. <laughs> but then Warnock can't resist because he's then come back and said. I don't mind at all if the club want to make sure it's clear that it's my own personal opinion and not the club's policy. If they feel they want to put out a statement saying that, then that's fine by me and I stand by what I have said too. So he's just arguing with the people who fucking employ him. And what's the strength of his argument? Probably just because they're foreign. Wouldn't it be great if this was the slip of the tongue that cost him his job? It would be absolutely marvellous because he lives for being in the Premier League. And the only uh, glimmer there is that the Huddersfield job has come vacant today. Oh, yes. Unfinished business. One last challenge, Sharon. Got to be up there. What's Paddy Kenny doing? Get the gang back together. And that would be so wonderful if after... Because uh, he loves the Premier League and a chance to keep Huddersfield up rather than getting them promoted. It would be like his life coming full circle. And to watch Huddersfield support as they go from being these smug, we're basically Klopp's Liverpool in blue and white stripes, to then having Neil Warnock back, who they love and revere, and then him getting Paddy Kenny in as goalkeeping coach. Boothie will probably be his assistant manager because Blackie doesn't go to Huddersfield. And, <laughs> and just going back to Route 1, long ball, all these German players that they've, that they've been signing under Wagner, they all leave in protest. So they're back to just whoever he can drag up from the local leads around uh, uh, the hills around Huddersfield. <laughs> And that whole ethos with the shiny new shit dog logo that people somehow give a pass on when our badge went around the world. The Neto badge that's on their shirt. And this idea that, well, we're a family club and we've got this incredible... The Yorkshire club. The Yorkshire club, but with a European outlook, all just collapses and dies under one of their own who they can't criticise. Because if Wagner is Huddersfield's Jesus, Warnock is their god. Oh, please let him go there. Cardiff, sack him. Huddersfield, hire him. And this week will just be perfect. I mean, when it comes to bitterness, we absolutely revel in it. It's probably our greatest strength and it's what football's all about, isn't it? It's not about winning. That doesn't happen very often. Bitterness, recrimination, brilliant. Um, This is the bit probably that everyone's been waiting to get onto. There is bitterness and then there is this bunch of um, who have taken... If Leeds fans have a reputation for being bitter, then I don't know what we say about this cast of absolute... Villains, it's the only word I can say. Villains, the lot of them. Does it feel like, and this was suggested on Twitter as well when we solicited four candidates for this, do we need to maybe go for category one, category two, kind of uh, filter them out? Because there are some that I feel are more guilty than others in in terms of besmirching our good name. There's some as well, there's levels of disappointment on it as well because, you know, what what do you expect Keith Andrews to have to say on this year. It's going to be shit. I fucking hate Leeds. He's That's what he's going to say from start to finish. I mean, he really does hate Leeds. Yeah. yeah. He's, what, what else is he going to say? Martin Keown, what else is he going to say? He got hit in the head with a football once because Michael Brown kicks it. He's still annoyed about that. You can tell he is. But that's, yeah. I think this is the thing that gets me. Like, you look at, there are people like Jermaine Genus who's done it twice now, who, you know, he's had his, his woes with his tax when he's been preaching about uh, being a good citizen on the. I mean, like, people like Stan Collymore handing out lessons in morality. Stan Collymore as well, when he sort of doubled down on it as well, because he said, yeah, I've been getting loads of tweets, so I've, because I'm a good pundit, I've, I've researched this. And he, he, he said, there are two things. He said, uh, I've spoken to a lawyer and he says there's some business confidentiality laws that have been broken. It didn't go into which ones, just, you know, the laws of the business law. <laughs> that was the first one. 
And the second thing that he found on his in-depth research was that trespassing is a crime as well. Despite the fact that literally every single report of it said that the person responsible was on the other side of a fence. And it's actually not a crime, it's a civil matter is trespassing it is. in UK law, so you're wrong there. And there's some as well. Liam Rosinia is a bit disappointing because I've quite enjoyed him on uh, the Football League coverage this Not season. Anymore. I thought, nope, he's dead to me now. And then there's other ones where I'm just like, why the fuck have Sean Gota and Colin Henry had an opinion? <laughs> it's like we're I mean, playing. I mean, a, Gota is furious. It's like we're playing a game from what like, did Gota say? Championship '98 or something. A load of anger in, uh, in agreement in response to I think it was might have been Jermaine Genus, but when he was on Five Live and it was clipped and put on Twitter, so he was furious. Really angry. Well, I'm still cross because he was offside when he scored that opening goal in the 5-2 cup game in 1999. Exactly. Miles offside. Where I mean, we've beaten 5-2, so, you know. Bigger crime than peering through a fence, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It is like watching an episode of the Premier League years from the mid-90s where we were up against Sean Gold, Colin Henry, Ray Parlers, Frank Sinclair, in. Scott Minto. Like, why Why are these people <laughs> having Minto, Kevin Min- Nolan? Minto's a Sky person, isn't Minto, he? Yeah, but even so, like, why? But Minto I put in there just because of that slip of the tongue about when he asked, is Bielsa's position untenable? But that was stupid. He shouldn't have asked that. And I think he realised it was daft as it came out of his mouth. He may have realised it's, it's daft, but really there are some people who think anything short of deportation is not a good enough punishment. We are taught people are seriously saying points deductions. And if you assume that we've not only done this against Derby County and Bielsa's quite opposite, yeah, I do it as standard. The points deduction, to be fair, if that's going to be the point, has to be all our points. And nobody's ever going to do that, especially when we haven't broken any rules. And is his position terrible? Should he be sacked? And there's people saying like, well, I thought he was a good manager, but now I'm a little bit disappointed in him. Have you not looked at this guy was lifted aloft, his fame, most famous quote in Newell's uh, in Rosario is Newell's fuck well I'm a, I'm a little bit disappointed it's not the language we would use in this country it's better than the language we would use in this country and as if was it Martin Keown who started banging on about the Corinthian spirit of football yeah did, did he has anybody shown him footage of himself playing and Leaping in the face of, Rude Van, of a player who's just missed a penalty. <laughs> and, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Which was funny at the time. And I assume next time he meets George Graham, his former manager at uh, Arsenal, they'll have a big to-do about the bungs that uh, George Graham took while he was at uh, Arsenal. I assume we'll no longer speak to him because that's against the Corinthian spirit of football, taking money on a transfer. This weird thing that's developed about the, you know, the, the spirit of the English game, and it's just absolute nonsense that's come about. Like, no one seems bothered about the fact that I say no one seems bothered. There are serious pieces written about these things. But, you know, the fact we went to Burma last year, the fact that there's billions of pounds of oil money swilling around in the Premier League, you know, there's... Human pl- rights abuses. Human rights it. abuses. There's youth players being poached from I left, mean, right and centre. youth players being sexually abused for 30 years and they still can't investigate that. There's the reporter Katie Wyatt in The Telegraph came up with the fact that um, the FA have done absolutely nothing about the Lucy Ward case. Yeah. Um, because, and they're saying, oh, well, we can't do anything about it because the, the accusations were against the club and not individuals, so we can't act. There isn't a ruling we can do it under. There isn't a ruling about this, but I bet you they'll still find something. So if they can sort that, if they can come down with a punishment on Leeds within a short time frame, which predictably they are probably going to do something, they've had 18 months to sort that out and they don't give a fuck. 
And this mythologised about the English game as well. I think that was um, Henry Winter's big transgression. And he was, in many ways, he was the most disappointing because Henry Winter, he he's likes not a, He's not a stupid man either. Mm. He's not. He likes Leeds, but he's this whole, he's almost got this kind of angelic halo around him and he, and, he, and he exudes that as well about his opinion on the English game and that, what you said, that, that mythical Corinthian spirit. And then for him to turn around and say, oh, it's, it's bang out of order. And yet he's written a book where he confesses to spying on the England team, yes. you know, to, do, to doing the exact same thing. Even boasting about the lengths he went to to do it. I'm going to, I'm reaching now this. Long-term podcast listeners will remember the book of petty grievances. And you actually got a book? Yeah, I don't think people uh, actually realise that thanks to uh, our friend of the podcast, Lee, the book of petty grievances does actually have physical form. Oh God, I forgot all about this. This is volume two. It is a long throwback, but it's a big book. And I reach for it because possibly the most uh, agrarious in this country business is our old friend, and by friend I mean snake, Gary Monk, who obviously was uh, filling in for Neil Warnock as the person most obviously going to do it, who began, first of all, normal reaction is the comical side of it, someone rustling around in the bushes and trying to spy. I don't really see the benefit of that, which is just, like, it takes me back to his press conferences. The guy, do you think Gary Monk has ever told a joke? He's he's starting off with this, like, oh, yeah, it's very comical, this, isn't it? All very comical, but it's not actually funny, is it? Because it's not funny. Because there's the other side, the ethical side, and what we do over here. We like to think it's fair sportsmanship in this country and we don't like to see any of that. It's not the right thing to do. It's, it's not ethical. very brummy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's been managing yeah. Birmingham for a while now. Once the comical value wears off in this country, in this country, we don't see those things as the right things to do. Like, what is this fucking... Like, as if that... I mean, I know I referenced, like, bags of kittens being dropped at the feet of a referee. But as if there's no... Sp- fair sportsmanship in any other country in the world. Gary Monk. Just as a throwback. And he's never been anywhere. He's from, where's he? He's from fucking Hartlepool or somewhere. Played for Swansea all his life. Like the first time he left Swansea after moving there was to manage Leeds. Now he's in Birmingham. Probably thinks he's abroad. I was just going to say a bit of a throwback to podcast 112, the last one. I imagine Gary Monk, he's the human embodiment of the missionary position. <laughs> For hours as well. It wouldn't just be like for a bit. It would be one of those really depressing just... Though he did like talking about the group. So you never know. Maybe it gets a bit spicier. <laughs> Secret kink. Oh, Gary, you and, saucy devil. And on that, the reason I originally reached for him is because if you want to look for a big problem in football, you've got to look at the fact that Birmingham City let Frank Lampard's fucking uncle spend them almost out of business. They signed a player... Gary Monk himself signed a player when the Football League said, you are not allowed to sign this player... Signed him anyway, so that's the fucking respect he has for sportsmanship, even though there is not the money at Birmingham City to be able to sign. They are financially cheating and have been doing for seasons, and their fucking, their owner was in jail while he was owning the club. And, and that the is a rule. Financial fair play is a rule. Yeah, It is a definite set-in-stone rule. No one's ever obviously been punished for it. Birmingham is spending 200% of turnover on wages. It's not allowed. You can't do it. We're it's standing a- on a path. <laughs> peeking through a fence. No matter what he thinks about, you know, we like to think it's fair sportsmanship in this country. What, what is fair sportsmanship about breaking a financial rule? and signing a player that you are not allowed to sign. I and playing him. They've, they've relied on that little bastard all season. He's played pretty much every game. <laughs> you can't be like, oh, yeah, you know, we didn't get any advantage from that. Fucking did. And it's Frank Lampard's uncle. No. It's the family. It's fucking the West Ham fucking family. Rude. Like he's done it at every single club. He's your relation. And Why we'll are you pissing on Bobby Moore? And we'll have 
Frank Lampard will probably, if you say to him the same thing about the Andre Villas-Boas thing at Chelsea, say this about his uncle, he'll probably go, well, I don't believe any of that happened. Fucking court transcripts, mate. Fucking bank accounts in the names of the dogs. Yeah, it's a lovely dog. I know that dog. I don't think that dog ever, ever had a bank account. It's disgusting what Bielsa did. Pricks. And we haven't even talked about the moose. Well, I was just going to come on to that and say, can we get that angry? I mean, Collie Moore, his whole raison d'etre, Collie Moore, is to stir up controversy. Engagement yeah. is what he does. And I know we've got one of the lads who works at TalkSport who's tweeted us back in response of us picking up TalkSport and Murdoch and all that a couple of times ago. Hello. But I also work in radio, and I know how this works, is that you put stuff out to get stuff back. That's how it works. They have a premium rate phone number. They want people to ring mm-hmm. it up, which makes revenue for the station. They put them on air. It's content. So can we be angry at these people stirring up controversy and taking these polar positions just for the sake of drumming it drumming I think it this up. is where Henry Winter deserves a bit more criticism because he's meant to write for, he's meant to be writing for a proper newspaper and having that opinion is flimsy and the whole thing about about you say him spying on the England team the press have got a weird holier than thou attitude to stuff but then they themselves believe they can do literally anything they want public interest that but we didn't you just go through someone's bins to find out they were like having sex with someone. No one really gives a shit. No, we're allowed to do that. That's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. What you did isn't that kind of worse than what you're actually reporting on in the first place. There's an element with someone like Henry Winter though, because we do know he's a he's a he has lead sympathies and he is generally a reasonably intelligent chap. He may have thought about this and come up with the wrong answer. And there are a few people like if Sean Golter is genuinely that angry about it, then maybe I can respect Sean Golter's genuine genuine anger. Someone like the fucking moose, like whether he thinks this is really bad or not, he is just adopting a position to wind Leeds fans up and get attention and create a load of fucking noise. And I think that's one of the things that's got out of hand with this is the amount of fucking just noise that has made it into something that it really isn't. The point has been made by several people, and I think they might be right, that if this wasn't Leeds United and Marcello Bielsa and Frank Lampard's Derby County, if it was if it was somebody who'd been sent by Hartlepool to go and spy on Scarborough before their big match. Scarborough. <laughs> They're making their way back into the football league. Yeah, Maybe so. a cup game. Nobody would just, oh quirky or buzzy hiding in the bushes and that funny the funny side of lower league football but because it's the clubs that there are and because Frank Lampard is involved and because Frank Lampard won't stop fucking crying about it and the noise is what will get us punished it won't be the act because there's really not much has actually happened somebody was watching a game some people kicking about it creates a weird precedent if I'm walking past Derby County's training ground oh this is Derby County's training ground that's interesting just going to stand and watch is it going to be like oh I have the fucking SWAT team on me taking me down just because I want to watch some footballers having a kick about that's more worrying to me than fucking whatever is a magical formation that was going to beat Bielsa's leads that he invented afterwards because it never fucking existed and they were probably all just like still sitting in the showers doing fuck all anyway (laughs) You want to be careful mentioning spies in the context of Hartlepool. Well, exactly. Am I going to get hung (laughs) if I'm watching Hartlepool United train? For anybody who doesn't know, that's the reason why their uh, mascot is called Hangus the Monkey, and it's one for you to Google. Google Hartlepool Monkey Spy, Mm -hmm. and you shall find all the answers that you need. Andre Law got off lightly, really, didn't he? There's a reason Peter Reid will never manage up there. (laughs) Do any of these people, all these people making all this noise about mm. this issue, any of them have a leg to stand on? Is there anything, is there any merit to any of this? Yeah, look, if it happened to us, we would have been pissed off about it and we would have slagged off the people involved. But equally, not for a second would I have thought, 
I like to think anyway, it's not happened to us, so it's hard to say. I like to think I wouldn't have thought a points deduction was even a possibility. No. A fine, probably even probably not a fine because it's not an, a real law that's been broken. It's at worst a bit of a sneaky thing to do. Yeah. What Frank Lampard's trying to invent this big hoo-ha about sportsmanship and what Gary Monk's saying about what how fair and sportsmanlike we are in th- this country... I don't think that would even have come into it for me. Like, it, it doesn't even seem that sinister. And that's where we talk about it's the culture in this country of fair sportsmanship. Maybe the culture in Argentina and when people talk about uh, at tournaments, Champions League, it's something that Rio Ferdinand, God damn his soul, was saying, that when they play Champions League matches, they train in the stadium and they know that they're being watched. And it's just standard. It's maybe that's actually a better culture because... Part of this is part of Bielsa's thing. We mentioned it last week on the podcast about him posting 15 hours of videotapes to a manager in Argentina because he'd seen his team on videotape and thought it was unfair. It gave him an unfair advantage. He's like, I've got all this information about your team. You can have this information about my team. And he set that up a tape exchange in Argentina before you could have just get clips off uh, the stat services that you've all got now. He made that happen so that everybody had more information. And that's what he thinks about this. He doesn't see it as anything other than like, that's information that's available. I want to send somebody to get me that information and it might be useful. It's a more advanced way of thinking. It's going back to, we talk, again, we talk about... He's angry. <laughs> English, He's really angry, Michael. English sporting culture, right. It was the 1970s before you were actually allowed to coach from the touchline in English football. It was seen as unsportsmanlike and... Teams were fined and stopped. And I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Herbert Chapman at one point sacked a member of staff in the 1920s for standing on the touchline and telling a player what to do. Giving instructions from the dugout, Don Reavy was never allowed to do it. It was against the rules. Whereas all around the rest of the world, they're going with clipboards, they're coming up with tactical plans, they're talking to the players during the game, they're changing formations during the game. We just had this weird hangover from the fucking public school days when they, uh, Eton dominated football. I was like, oh no, it's just it's just two gangs of good chaps turning up and we'll just have a good kick about and we'll see who goes home with the cup and we'll all have a good... These lads good have been chi- practising, that's not very fair. Exactly, and that's what it all comes back to. That's what the roots of this are, is that we we just don't think that practicing and training and tactics it's all foreign stuff and we are that backwards we invented football and so we have this thing about oh we are the we are the the guardians of moral and ethical sportsmanship we're fucking backwards people like Marcello Bielsa have left us behind and probably part of his uh, amazement throughout all this why he's come out and said yeah of course I did it it's because he can't believe that nobody else is doing it but like yes why aren't you all spying on my my team and let's not even call it spying why aren't you Watching our team scouting. Why aren't you scouting? Exactly. It's Michael. fucking mental. Michael, we I should th- get more points, not a points deduction. I think he's about forty-eight hours away from handing the Falcons <laughs> back to Argentina. Honestly, <laughs> I think the thing is with Bielsa, it is all about the game for him. At least he's trying to. It's about tactic against tactic. The English way of doing this sort of sneaky cheating is like not no hot water in the dressing rooms. It's you know, keeping teams awake the night before, stuff like that. This is this is at least on a sporting level. And that's when it comes down to it. What's his great crime? It's not, we'll get into legal trouble if we start talking about uh, Frank Lampard's uncle at this point. It's it's not uh, it's not Kent Bates owning, again, uh, legal trouble awaits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just... Say, it's not Willie Mc... Um, Willie Mc- <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just put it in the positive. He was trying to win a game of football and... 
what we all want as football fans is we want our team to win. So if there's something there that isn't against the rules, it's not unlawful, it's not illegal, it's not it's not even unsportsmanlike. It's just watching a team to, to try and predict. It's exactly the same principle, whether it's behind closed doors or not, as watching a reserve match or watching their previous matches. I'm sure none of the set-piece routines that Frank Lampard was running through that day were so brand new that Bielsa hadn't seen them on a videotape of a game anyway. It's just trying to find a competitive advantage without... I mean, there's no doping involved. There's no... He's, he's fucking refusing to sign players. It's been really, he wouldn't sign a new centre-half. So it's not like the days of O'Leary when we just signed signed more and more players so we had the biggest and best squad. It's hard work and training and information to try and win a football match. And when he turns something that I presume was quite shit, like Derby's training session, when he can turn watching that into something beautiful, like our win... Does he not deserve some credit? Fair play. Hey, listen, lads, you may have forgotten, but we need to pick from all this a Ken Bates villain of the week. I'm going to go Jake Humphrey. I just saw his name written down. <laughs> Don't well, mention well, it. No, for me, there is one clear candidate. Mm. Barry Douglas for his trousers. Oh, that's true. I'd have noticed that in this whole list that we've got under villains, Frank Lampard is not actually listed. He caused all this. Which one? <laughs> I don't, I don't think his dad has had anything that, to say of it. That, uh, that yep. hot, steamy night in the summer of 1977, Frank Lampard Sr. Maybe he, that's where it all began, for, for siring Frank Lampard Jr. in the first place. Is he having it? Frank Lampard's dad? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, go on then. And congratulations as well to Marcelo Bielsa for being our hero of the week. Yeah, there's no really doubt about that, is there? Well, wow, where do we go after that one? What to Stoke is where we go. Regardless of whether we've been spying on them or not, this will be an interesting one, and the dynamic has changed since we spoke on the last podcast. Between recording it and getting it out, Gary Rowett sacked, egg on his face, another one we can laugh at. Smug git, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Seen the bookmaker's odds, or whatever he said before the opening game. Yeah, with Calvin Phillips standing right behind him. I'm disappointed he's gone, though, because... I was chatting to the Stoke fanzine people and he described the atmosphere as poisonous mm. under under Rowett, which is not going to be the case anymore, which is a shame. That said, though, they've got a child in charge of them, hasn't they? This young and up-and-coming guy from um, Luton they got him from. Is, it, is his name Nathan Jones? Is that correct? That is correct. You can, If you're over a certain age, you can insert your own Bananarama joke at this point. And if you're even older, your own Supremes joke. They did it first. I'm they did saying. do it first. You're right. You're a smart-ass. <laughs> Think- I'm just thinking out, I'm looking out for our elderly listeners because um, Oddie, formerly of this podcast, may tune in. Do you think Bielsa's going to take this young man to school? Because we actually joked on 112 about Bielsa taking Frank Lampard to school, and he did. Mm-hmm. I listened to it on the way in tonight, we did. I had no idea who Nathan Jones was, so I Googled him, and it turns out the only thing really that is searchable about him is that he is massively into Jesus. Prutton? No, the, the, re- the more the original. traditional god. The son of Marcello Bielsa, as I like to think of it. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. But he, I read an interview with him, and he just seems he seems an odd character to be a football manager. Mm. I mean, he seems to have put everything down, and he's, he's doing himself down. He's been very successful at Luton. He's done a good job, but he's taking no credit for it. He just keeps sort of saying, God did it. Oh, really? Yeah, I was reading how, like, when he was younger, he couldn't go to some of the trials and play games on Sundays because he was going to church and things. Then he got to a certain age, and he said, at 16, I went to Cardiff, and they had games on Sundays. I went to God and said, I believe you brought me to this opportunity. I need to play. It was done in good faith. It was necessary then. I, I believe God understands that. Wow. Direct line. That's God's I mean, permission. As an advisor, I would say that God is probably a step up from phoning up Willie Mackay, for example, for, for some help. 
I bet Warner could have something to say about going to God. Well, I mean, he'd, he'd think he'd have better advice. Isn't, isn't it not unsportsmanlike? I was going to say, if it comes to cheating, yeah. this guy thinks he's got God on his side. If you're using the omniscient power in the universe in your corner, that is a that is a, a fairly sizable advantage. He, <laughs> I, I want a football league and FA investigation now because we've got Bielsa on our side and he could overcome Frank Lampard. But if this Saturday, Leeds United versus Stoke has suddenly become Leeds United versus God and the firmament, uh, is it the Holy Trinity? So it's three out of one. He can't have, we mentioned before, the rules about who can be standing up in the technical area. It can only be two people at a time. Does God as his assistant count as three if it's also the, the Holy Ghost and the, I can't even remember what the other Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Exactly, those yep. three. We can't have all, all three of them. The fourth official should be on it like a shot. And if he's not, I want to know the reason why. And if Stoke win, I want a fucking points deduction. Will we win this? No, I don't think so now. I don't know, they've still got a good squad. They should actually be quite a good team, but they haven't been, which has been quite pleasing. And this could be our punishment for Spygate, is if we, if, if it is as immoral as everybody uh, makes it out to be, then who will God want to win this game? It won't be the immoral cheats from Leeds, will it? It'll be the guy that it'll be his mate, his friend Nathan. There's a lot on the line in this game then. The, uh, Whether or not the existence of God is essentially being decided. If Stoke win, God exists. If Stoke don't, then Marcello Bielsa is God. Happy to go with that. That's a huge existential <laughs> outcome based on, on one football match. Incredible. And everybody thought that uh, Derby was going to be the big game. This is the big game. Well, a lot of emotions have been expressed in this podcast. I'd like to thank you, gentlemen, for being so frank and honest and open and passionate in your opinions. How are you feeling about this now? I'm a little bit worried about the Stoke match now that I, I wasn't as concerned before. Now I feel like the fate of um, the universe and uh, theology as a construct depends upon it. That's fine. Michael? It's been good to have a little, get things off my chest, I think. I think for Moscow in particular, it's been a he sat there in tears, his shirt ripped. I mean, they, they fucking let Keith Andrews drone on on the television every why single is, fucking week. So. Why, why is he on TV? I've only seen bits of him because I, I tend to watch on illegal streams. and um, <laughs> <laughs> So as to not fund him. It is mystifying. I don't know why of all the ex-players in all the world. David Prutton has excelled as a presenter. I think he's very good. Keith Andrews has just excelled in hating leads. Ah, of course. Keith Andrews, Don Goodman. There's, there's a bit of a theme. I think this is why he has a job. This is why it's on the television. Do you want to take issue with his hair, Michael, as a bald man? It's showing off, isn't it? All that hair, doing nothing with it. It looks shit. Wasting the opportunity. Exactly. I'm sure you would treat that hair much better like than Like his him. career. We should have really given the villainy awards him because he never won anything else, did he? I'd prefer to keep it that way. Seems fair to me. Look, we better sign off then. Check everything out online if you could. Grab yourself a digital subscription. It's only the equivalent of £1 a month if you fancy supporting us. That and links to the merchandise at thesquareball.net. Go get it. A Leeds Caraggio mug. The Squareball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.